you please pray with me? Lord God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just ask, Lord, as we wrap up this series, that we would just rejoice in the treasure that you are, Lord Jesus Christ. And that as we look at the treasure of life in your kingdom, we would be compelled to persuade others. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, who doesn't like a good treasure story? You know, uh, there's, there's thousands of them. Uh, in our family, the personal favorite is Muppet Treasure Island, you know. Uh, I think Becca, as a, as a young girl, memorized the whole thing. It's really obnoxious to watch it with her, you know. Uh, but it's just a great story and wonderful, intriguing, just adventurous stories of peril and bravery to find where the conquistadors hid their buried treasure somewhere on a Caribbean island. And it's fascinating that our Lord Jesus describes a relationship with him in the kingdom like a treasure hidden in a field. That tells you something, doesn't it? Number one, it's ordinary. You don't suspect it. It's hidden. And two, when you find it, you would sell anything. You reprioritize, and you do anything to buy that field. Fascinating. Well, we're wrapping up this series entitled Compelled. That was based on 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us to persuade others, to talk. We can't help but share with other people the good news that's in us in Jesus Christ. And I know we're all in various stages, and that's okay. The point is, we all have a role to play in taking this good commission, this good news across the West Shore. So week one, we spent it, what is the good news? And we discovered that 70% of our culture thinks that we believe that it's either, you know, a life to be lived above what is the good news, in other words, adding to the gospel, which is what many people do, which becomes legalism, and then there's many who subtract from the gospel, which is universalism, and that's not good news either. And we learned what the good news actually is, discovered in our walk with Jesus Christ, because he's revealed himself, he really has, and when you ask people, tell me, who do you think Jesus is? That's the kind of answer you'll typically get 70% of the time. And we can use that as an opportunity to say, well, that, that's, that's not the Jesus that I believe in, nor is that the Jesus of the Bible. If you're interested, would you like to investigate it with me? Just the first 18 books of John, and that's what we left off last week, right? Just take, go to that website, the reading the word one to one, dot com. And you can download the whole Gospel of John, the notes, and, and it's, you got the Bible on one side and questions by William Taylor of uh, St. Helens Church in London and answers. You don't even have to study it that much. They give you the answers, you know. But the point is it's a skeleton of discussion with a friend who said yes to that invitation. And so this week we're going to take it just a little further and it's, how can we help people get into that discussion? You know, how, how, how can I get there? You know, how do we communicate it? So let's get specific. Uh, you've heard me say, 
we, we share the good news where we live, where we work, and where we play. Let's think about the people where we live, starting right in our home. You have a spouse who perhaps doesn't buy it. You have a grown child who doesn't buy it, a teenager who's not buying it. You've got grandchildren. How about uh, physical neighbors in your neighborhood, all around you? You know, do you know them? Do you know their names? Do you know their kids' names? Do you know their hobbies, what they love to do, etc.? How about workplace, your coworkers, your clients? Do you know them? Do you know their names? Do you know their kids' names, etc.? Same thing with where you play. You know, that's, you got a common hobby with them, or, or a pub, or a common, you know, grocery store. You go through the same checkout, and you meet the same person week after week, right? Mostly, not always, but mostly. And the whole point is that we are out there in the community, getting to know people, meeting needs, and thus inviting them into this gospel conversation. Because we're not all called to be Bible teachers, but we all can be Bible sharers. Right? Every single one of us. And my point in all of this, in this teaching this morning, is that we are a diverse group. Every church is. But you find the approach that works with you. So turn to the back page where the sermon notes are. And you're going to find the different approaches that I'm going to mention. And find the approach that fits you best as we invite them to read one-to-one. Just the first 18 verses of John. And at the end of that conversation, you say, would you like to go further? If they say no, okay. You were faithful. It's the Holy Spirit which does the work, not us. All right? We're just willing instruments. But we need to understand that God built diversity into the fabric of Christ Church West Shore. Unless we realize that, we'll find ourselves needlessly trying to imitate someone else and what's worked for them. And you'll waste your efforts in that way. So let's look at, in the Bible, some examples of approaches of people sharing the good news of Jesus with others. First, you have Peter. That's the direct approach. All Peter needed was to be convinced he was right, and there was absolutely no stopping him. He was direct, he was bold, and he was straight to the point. Some people in our area around us are just waiting for a person to give it to them straight, not beat around the bush, and share the word with them and allow the Holy Spirit to clarify who Jesus really is through the word. Actually, no surprise to you, this is the style which fits me. The challenge for those of who are direct, we need to tell the truth with lots of grace, right? But the reality is, I will tell the truth, God willing with grace. And a direct person isn't afraid and doesn't care how you respond to it. That's your business. J.C. Ryle was like this. Read Bishop Ryle. He's in your face with grace and truth. Billy Graham was like this. No one said Billy Graham didn't beat around the bush. He gave the gospel straight out, and look how God used him. Okay? If this is you as well, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you how to know, how to ask questions, direct your words and challenges with that appropriate mix of grace and truth. 
The second listed there is Paul. We know Paul. Now, Paul would certainly confront people when necessary, but the style of his approach was logical and a reasoned presentation of the good news of Jesus. He was a master at laying out a sound explanation of the central truths about God's nature, our sins, and the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. As we're going to see for the rest of the summer as we return next week to Romans. We haven't been in Romans in a year and a half. I said, well, by golly, we're going back to it. Two chapters of Romans every year till the Lord takes me home. Why? Because it will change us as we dive into, and the title is Romans 7 and 8, there is no condemnation. All right? And Paul laid that out. Who, who was a better candidate to preach to the philosophers in Athens than Paul? Acts 17. He starts with looking at that monument to the unknown God. There's his hook. And he says, all right, let me tell you about this unknown God. And he beautifully crafts the reality of God revealed to them in Jesus Christ in the resurrection. They wouldn't have responded to a guy like me. But they responded to Paul. Some of them, not all, but some of them. Michael Ramsden's like this. Amy Orr Ewing is like this. Um, Abdu Murray's like this. Josh and Sean McDowell intellectual approaches to sharing the good news third approach you have this every single one of us at one time or another the blind man's testimonial approach you know the story in john chapter 9 man was born blind people are passing him by but his routine changed very quickly when jesus gave him the gift of sight known sooner was he able to see that he was thrust into a hostile audience you know and asked him to explain what had happened to him and notice he didn't get drawn into their theological arguments he just said look here's what i know i was blind now i see all right that's some of your story don't get drawn into the theological discussion. Here's what I know. I didn't know Christ, and now I know him, and he's real. And share it in one minute. Can you do that? That's what we did in Journey. We crafted it. That's, that's not easy, you know, to craft your story into a one-minute testimony, but it's powerful. And then you invite them to read the Bible with you. And there are neighbors out there who need to hear a similar testimony how God has worked in your life, even if it's not a dramatic conversion. They might not respond to a direct or intellectual approach, but a personal account of your coming to faith in Christ would influence them powerfully to investigate Christ's claims for themselves. Could that story be yours? Are you comfortable telling your story? How God led you to himself. Even if you haven't done so yet, but you want to. Good. Your story can be a powerful tool, even if it wasn't dramatic. You know, you went from churchianity to an authentic relationship in Jesus Christ. And the, the more that can be more relevant to people across the West Shore than a person coming out of drug addiction or witchcraft. <laughs> Some dramatic thing. 
And if you did come out of drug addiction and witchcraft, you know, God can use that too to people who are caught in such bondage. Pray and ask the Lord to lead you to how much detail to give and who to tell the aspects of your coming to Jesus. And there will be some who will walk with you through the Bible as you share it. Fourth, there's Matthew's testimonial or, or friendship approach. If you read Matthew 9, everybody hated Matthew. Why? He's a tax collector. And he was keeping a lot for himself, and he was making a great living at the expense of the poor. And so he came to faith in Jesus. So what does Matthew do? He invites his fellow tax collectors. Those were his only friends. And he said, come and see. He invited Jesus. Let's open up our homes. Pick one event this year. In the Sherman household, that's the Avon Lake homecoming. And so we invite all our neighbors to come, and we have a pre-gate cookout now, and they, they've started to come. It's taken 14 years, but they're starting to come, you know? You know, just keep at it. Don't quit. Make friends and be friends. Fifth, you have the Samaritan woman's invitational approach, John chapter 4. She was a changed life, and they knew it. And she said, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He's Messiah. Come and see. I mentioned last week, this is less helpful than most approaches today. You know, people won't necessarily come to church if you invite them, but some will. Don't give up on that. Because you're a changed life just like the Samaritan woman. Be available for that. And finally, and this is something we all can do, is Dorcas's blessing approach. If you read Acts 9.36, Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, please don't name your daughter Dorcas. <laughs> Just doesn't sound right in 21st century English, right? But she is a hero because she took, she was a wealthy, successful businesswoman. And she shared her resources with the needs of the community. And everybody loved her. And she blessed people and invited them to hear Paul and to hear the good news of Jesus. My whole point in all of this, my friends, over these past three weeks is be yourself. No one person fits perfectly into just one of these styles. You'll probably use all of them at one time or another. And the point is that God designed diversity into the body of Christ of Christ Church West Shore. And each member is stronger in some styles than others. That's the point. And those who have learned to work within the design God has designed them to will be mightily used. Fritz Kreisler, the world-famous violinist who died in 1962, earned a fortune as a violinist and a composer. During his life, he generously gave most of his earnings away. So when he discovered an exquisite Stradivarius, <laughs> he wanted to buy it. So he saved up his money to buy it and went back later only to discover that the shop that had it had sold it to a collector. The guy wasn't even playing it. He was just put it up on the wall. So 
Chrysler found out where the new owner, uh, owner's home was and went and asked him if he would sell it to him. And the guy said, absolutely not. This is priceless. I'm keeping it. So as he was about to leave, he had an idea. He said, well, could I play it once before it's constrained to silence? He said, sure. So the great virtuoso began to play the violin as it's intended and filled the house with beautiful music to where the collector was deeply stirred and said, I have no right to keep it to myself. Take it. It's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let the people hear it. My friends, using the approach God has gifted us with, we take it into the world to let people hear it just by opening the word of God. Well, one thing's for sure. Treasure is never where you expect it. And once you find it, it utterly changes you. Because a Christian is somebody who says, like First Peter, to you, therefore, which believe Jesus is precious. Jesus is precious to the believer's heart. For anyone to say, nah, Jesus isn't that precious. My treasure is my boat, my bank account, my music collection, my spouse, my relationships, my cars, my location. They are precious to me. The only way you know you've made an emotional transfer of your wealth from the things of this world into Jesus himself is that you'd be willing to lay down it all for Jesus Christ without condition, then will be a revolution in your life. But if you're always grumpy at God, saying things like, I've heard, I've tried it, it, di it didn't work for me. Well, what did you try? Tell me, who's Jesus to you? What didn't work? The gospel is, even though it admits that life is hard, but God is with us in the presence of our pain and suffering. He, gives us, he grants us his presence in the midst of these difficulties. But I'm young and I want to sow my wild oats. Maybe later I'll consider it. If, if that's you, you really haven't even thought about the real issue. Because the real issue is, have you really looked at the treasure in Jesus Christ? Are you really willing to look to see its value until there's an emotional transfer of wealth that will revolutionize your entire life? Nobody who's ever really looked at Jesus Christ and understood who he is and what he is saying responds moderately to him. You either run away from him in fear and keep men at arm's length, maybe, or you're so angry with him and you try to kill him, or you bow down at his feet and just worship him. Anyone who doesn't do one of those three things isn't listening. 
anyone who says, I don't want to give up my $10,000 for a billion dollars hasn't counted the billion dollars. Anyone who will not give himself or herself utterly to Jesus has not realized how he gave himself utterly for them. Because treasure is always hidden where you least expect it. But when you discover it, it changes you completely. So if you're thinking to yourself, either on an online congregation or in our in-person congregation, you know, I, I haven't really quite discovered that. There's 80 other people in here who will read the Bible with you. And if you don't know who they are, I'll read the Bible with you. Shoot me an email, a text. Just 18 verses of John. Let's go on a journey. Let's see what happens. Keep digging. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this word which reminds us that in our joy we go and sell everything we have and we buy the field which is a walk with you. And to walk with you is like finding that great one pearl. And we would sell everything we have, rearrange everything in our lives to get it. That's what it's like. And I pray, Lord, that in an ever-increasing fashion, that would be us here at Christ Church West Shore. And that, Lord, as we are now compelled to go out into the world this Pentecost season, that we would intentionally reach out and invite people to get into the Word with us so that we would see a mighty revival, not only in our hearts, but in our friends and loved ones and neighbors where we live, work, and play. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.